Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Welcome back to Rule the Roost podcast. I'm sure you've missed us, haven't you? Have you missed us? No. Oh, well, that's the voice of Raj Baines there. He's back. He's definitely missed it. He acts like he no, hasn't. I've, I haven't. You have. I don't, I don't know why we do this anymore. You know you have a bit. I just feel sorry for you too. I'm not sure what the show would become if I ever left it. Better. <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Or, or what would happen to us individually like if we oh. lost this kind of centre point? Good yeah. Lord. Yeah. It's not worth thinking about that, is it? No, especially with Twitter maybe going as well. You know, character counts and stuff. I'd be, I'd be lost. I'd be out at sea then. What would cool. my ego do with itself? <laughs> Perhaps it would start being constructive again, maybe. I don't know. Fuck. Um, I can imagine you putting on some sort of like one-man stage show where like the the climax is you just on the on the stage alone crying and shitting yourself, <laughs> and it'd be like performance art, but it's just really your way of processing whatever you're going through. As long as it got like one-word reviews, like triumph and things like that, I'd be uh, <laughs> I'd be all right with that. It'd be like the end of, the end of Birdman, where everyone thinks it's sort of a performance, but it's all been real all along. <laughs> It's, uh, uh, I do like that film. I've only watched it the once, I only watched it when it was in the cinema, I haven't seen it again since, so maybe I will watch it again. Um, Spurs, it's been it's been hectic. You didn't say hello to Seb. I didn't say hello to Seb, I've left him out again. Christ, it's, it's already fallen to pieces, Seb, hasn't it? You know how vulnerable old people are over the winter months, Jack, don't <laughs> Have you got a blanket over your lap at the moment, Seb? No, I've got some slippers on, though. Not ashamed of that at all. Big chunky. Are they branded? No, 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 big chunky slippers. They, like, they look like um, old school rugby boots. They're huge. Come Are you wearing work. a cardigan? No, 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 jumper. Have you got a scarf on? No. <laughs> you are. Oh, you posted a new selfie over the. the yeah. That was the best Christmas. The Sultan present. of selfies. Yeah, you all missed it though. You, you didn't. You know, I don't. I also don't like that. That me changing my Twitter profile picture has become like a sort of mini event that everyone feels able to get involved in. Just what it is now, mate. You just gotta mm. embrace it. I, I guess. Seb's face from a new angle sheds new light. Yeah. Black and white, maybe colour next time. You never know. Yeah, you changed it from colour to black and white, yeah. which was an interesting choice. I don't know. I just preferred it black and white. To it, it, it keeps a layer of mystery there. So I thought let's, let's go back to that. I think you know exactly what you're doing. Sebastian, you say you don't like it being this mini event, but you know. Secretly, I kind of it, it is the highlight of my sort of every three months. It's what I need is a little bit of attention. It's like when these sports brands, Nike and Adidas and stuff, they release the same boots but just in a slightly different 
colourway, as they call them, every couple of months or so. And I was trying to understate it, but still, you know. I'm I'm unimaginatively rebranding myself. Is that what you're trying to say? Uh, that you know, I'm ju- I would just say that you're keeping yourself current, you're keeping it fresh, <laughs> not letting the grass grow. No. You know, the last thing I'd accuse Seb of being is current. <laughs> It was like you, you gave him that brutal take that actually made me do a pretty large laugh to myself, Raj, when um, I can't remember, I think Seb called someone the Fonz or something. And you were just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, nice, nice cultural reference. So that was, was like, me, that was NASA Chadley when he, when he came on with an enormous quiff. He looked like the Fonz. Brutal. You, I, I, you just <laughs> ignore, ignore my justification and move on. Raj doesn't want yeah, to, he's just, yeah, he's, he said all he I needs I forgot there. that. I forgot that you even referenced Happy Days. Yeah. No, no. Seb inside is that doctor from Friends when Phoebe's having the triplets. <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Harry Kane. See, that's what it makes me think of now, Happy Days. There you go. Is that an actual chant? No, uh, it never really got off the ground. I had it in like in 1882 and people were just like, you know, it's not going to catch on really, is it? It's just... You know, the only chant I've ever come up with in my life that I was uh, upset never took off was um, singing Gilfie Sigurdsson's name to the tune of Sally Cinnamon. That's too complex a melody for a football crowd though, isn't it, really? It'd work. If he played for Man United, they'd have been all over yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man United still play This Is The One on their, um, in their walkout, don't they? They do. Because yeah. hmm. they know it's just going to be one goal. Mm-hmm. This is the one goal you're going to be able to see at home. <laughs> It's probably for the opposition. <laughs> fucking Man United, fucking. Um, I'm sure we'll have Moose on at some point to rectify my previous mistake. Yeah, we'll have to, yeah. <laughs> Somebody else can record that. Oh, old Graves. Good Lord. We'll leave that behind in 2015. You're laughing about it now, though, so we're moving forward with it. Yeah, I've, I'm over it. I've, uh, you, you didn't laugh I've about it some... for a couple of months. Cause can, took some hours of therapy. I don't. I don't deal with fairly well. You didn't like it. Even when I kind of tried to poke about you it the next like week, it, it just didn't, like didn't it go it. down. You were just oh, like, yeah. Because yeah. it doesn't sound like it, but I do take some amount of pride in what we put out into the world on a weekly basis. So to have sort of organise something with someone of, of high quality and to have taken their time and then to have essentially wasted it um, is something. But uh, no. me, Seb, and Moose will forever have that. Conversation to ourselves, I suppose. There's some things that that aren't to be shared. Yeah, that's no, a spirit. I've still got yeah. my FOMO of it, so you know. We've probably um, we've probably um, saved Moose's blushes of of his uh, expectant expectant title challenge that he was telling us about and things, <laughs> and the, <laughs> um, his love of love of Van Hal. Tottenham Hotspur three, Norwich City now. Forgot it happened. Yeah, I mean, let's let's. Go, I mean, there's quite a few games and stuff to talk about. In terms, I reckon what we should do here is just pick out several little points from each of the fixtures, but then just give an overall holistic view of how we feel the Christmas break has gone. I don't think that sounds like a bad idea. I That's quite. Like, I quite like so. that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. Harry Kane's finish for the second goal. Very good against Norwich. Very nice. Is that the one where he sort of shifted it across his body from the right hand side and smashed it across the left? Yeah, yeah. beautiful, lovely yeah, finish, lovely. lovely, lovely finish. That rem- if that was like the uh, the crack he had at Everton, just sort of the pot shot that shouldn't have gone anywhere near the goal, but mm. almost mm. went in. Oh gosh. It was interesting that though that you, you sort of like it was a lovely strike and he, he deserved to score, but it was weird that 
Like, of all the sort of the opposition scouting Everton did, must have done before that game, no one said, all right, if Harry Kane gets the ball 25 yards out, don't let him shift the ball to his right-hand side and hit it. And yet, kind of, I, I think it was either, I think it was um, Funes Mori or maybe Gareth Barry, who was closest to him. It's just the weirdest thing. It's just slow motion as if they didn't even react to it. It's bizarre. Right, you're jumping ahead a bit here, sorry, Sebastian. I think Harry Kane's an underrated striker of the ball because people often say. Oh, I think he's a very. I, I, I don't think he's underrated in our fan base for that. I mean, I, I, no, I, I, but I think sorry. in general, people often go on about his finishing and his positioning and sort of his, his instinct. But he has scored a few, which are just essentially just getting the ball out of his feet and swatting it from yeah. quite yeah. a distance. Yeah, especially in the um, people don't tend to go on about that. the Europa League group last year. I mean, that's mm. kind of how he made his name, really. I mean, he scored a couple of tap-ins and his movement was good. But... The first one against Chelsea in the 5-3 was similar. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, well, um, you know, and the um, the one uh, the one against Besiktas, which he just lashed with his left foot, that was very nice as yeah. well. Mm. Uh, most, he now holds the record, though, doesn't he, for the most league goals in a calendar year, or Premier League year, perhaps it might be. Um, calendar year. Yeah, calendar year. Calendar 2015, year. 27 goals, so... It's pretty good. Didn't Clive Allen once score like 40 goals in a season or something like that? Premier League era, though. All oh, right, that makes more yeah. sense. And football didn't exist before. No, 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 for 1992, no. It was just, it was just, you know, racism. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Greaves will have scored more than that as well. Yeah. It's just racism and fags and tea at half time, you yeah, know. That's what Sounds like Huddersfield Town. Yeah. Weird formations with like six players up front and stuff. What WM? That's what Seb still does when he goes and coaches at schools. He tells them about the, the good old days of WM. Draw it up on a chalkboard. Yeah. Back when the only international fixture played was England Scotland. <laughs> I've got like three weeks worth of old jokes now that I'm just sort of trying to get through. No, you got, you, the thing you got to ration them, mate, because otherwise you're just going to front load <laughs> this and we're, you're going to be out within the first ten minutes and you're going to have to you're going to have to improvise for the rest of the pod. Just you know, go easy. Pace yeah, yourself. Finishing early and pacing yourself something you're used to mm, as well. So. Well, just take, even, so take the advice. Happens at your age, or take Seb. the advice. <laughs> the uh, next game, Watford one, Tottenham Hotspur two. That was uh you know, is that you know um you know the Watford reaction to their red card, which was as much a red card as I've seen in the last couple of months. Is that still going on? Is there still this kind of affected grievance? Yeah, they've they've taken it to a bizarre level now. The people on Twitter have that we're actually uh, that we're we're having matches fixed, that we're paying referees oh, right. and stuff. Okay. It's bizarre. Doesn't sound like a very Daniel Levy thing to do. He's too cheap to do that. <laughs> But it's weird, though. I mean, and actually, it was quite gratifying that we scored a, a winner that was ultimately definitely offside. It was just—I I remember seeing it because I, I was watching at the time, um, but I was on a little bit of a delay, and um, the red card, and then all this kind of Twitter bluster started up. And I thought, oh god, this is going to be contentious. And I saw it happen. You just think, really? It's a sort of—it's a almost waist-high stud showing, and it's late, right yeah. in front of the referee. So, <laughs> you know. Um, no, so no I, question, no question. I'm all for kind of partisan opinions and raging as a fan, but I mean, I think you do have to. Eventually, realism has to prevail. It was just really strange. It was kind of this. Um, yeah, they were. Um, there was. There was. They were spitting blood at the end of it. Very strange. Love, love the man. The only. Uh, the only other thing I would note from the Watford game. Rare, rare defensive calamity for their goal. I felt. 
Yeah, yeah. I think Eric Dyer. I think I, I think it was kind of. I, I think maybe there's a little bit of. There's kind of two parts to this. First is that maybe um, Igalo is a slightly stronger player than I think most people appreciate, like with his upper body. That is, um, but Eric Dyer's got a kind of. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't great, was it? It was a rare moment of. Um, yeah, not great. Not, not terrific. <laughs> Good performance and a goal. I don't want to criticise him. Like it feels wrong, so I'm just gonna. I'm gonna stop no. short. Just um, nah, love him. Yeah, it's an aberration. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, saying good, good performance and a good goal for Eric Lamella as well, who's uh, becoming ever more important to our oh, team. We've just lost another ten listeners because you said that, presumably. Yeah, no, true. No. Oh, they can't really. Be, people can't really be feeling that way anymore, can they? You'd be surprised if they if they really were. If people really held on to this strong faith that. Lamella's no good. Like he's he's quite obviously a very good footballer. I thought that finish was kind of. Um, I loved it. It was just so. It was it was kind of typical of what he is. Is that sort of very deliberate, very stylish finish? It was beautiful. Um, just a nice moment for him as well. You know, what I noticed about Eric Lamella is that I think I said this to you, Jack, the other day. Is that like his? You know, we we, we all talk about his work rate and his sort of evolution into one of the the league's premier hatchet men. Um, but he, um, uh, his his involvement in just the basic phases of play is a lot more consistent. I mean, so he'll, he'll he's creative and he you know he has sort of reverse passes and a bit of vision in his locker. But he's not. He used to be um, at the beginning of his Tottenham career for maybe the first eighteen months. He was a bit of a like a tactical full stop because he'd always take an extra touch or you know he wouldn't, mm. he wouldn't weight his passes correctly or you know he he'd. he'd um, he he turned the ball over, but now he's just much more consistent. I don't know if that's borne out in the statistics, but he just seems to be um, he just seems to be a more fluid part of the team, and I think that's I think, been the most pleasing part. Yeah, I think one of one of the things I noticed that I was talking to you about the other day as well, Seb, is that the amount of shite that people are spouting at the moment about Eric Lamella in terms of like pundits um, and TV analysts, whereby they're kind of adopting this line that. Oh well, you know, Lamella when he first came to Spurs, he always had all the flicks and the tricks and the fancy stuff, but you know, he never really got stuck in, he never really worked yeah, hard. No, it's not and true it's like but that that's completely the opposite probably of yeah. what happened. Like if you if you you know, you can criticize as you've done there some of the things that Lamella did wrong in his early stages of his career with Spurs, whereby, you know, it was that tactical full stop, but he always got stuck in, you know. And I, I remember it was always a, a bit of a criticism criticism of his that, you know, we don't want a defensive attacking player. No. You know, great, he gets stuck in and he tackles and he tracks back, but we brought him here to score goals and assist in the final third. Um, so, yeah, I just, I don't know, that's a bugbear of mine. Um, yeah, but isn't, isn't it, it's one of those things, though, isn't it? I mean, I, I think that's a commentary on, on the, the, the level of punditry because I think... I think what you have is is a lot of opinions that are given on games that are televised. We as fans, I mean, okay, Tottenham are on TV quite a lot, but we as fans watch every game, whether it's in the stadium, on streams, or wherever, or on normal television. Um, and so, you know, they see your your sort of um, that that collection of because some some of the pundits are very good, and, and like Genus is good, Danny Murphy is good, and you know, obviously Neville was and Carragher, but a lot of the others they they sort of base their opinions on. Um, you know Spurs games from six months ago or a year ago, and and their, their sample is very small. So they kind of, I don't know, the time to, to the time to make sort of judgments on what um, Eric Lamella was 
you know, w was probably over the, his sort of first 30 or 40 games of the club. Not not sort of a one-off game when we lost 3-0 at home to Liverpool or, you know, that 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 game up at the Etihad where um, he couldn't do anything right, no matter what he did. You know, he'd give the ball away and they'd score or he'd give the ball away and he'd then concede a penalty or something. You know, and I, I still think a lot of people kind of are, are sort of surmising his entire early Tottenham career within the space of three or four games. Whereas the problem was he, he's always worked hard. And he's always been someone that's willing to, to, you know, to give something to the team as a whole. He's not an individual player. The problem was he didn't do anything else or anything he tried to do. He sort of got sucked into this um, state of mind where he, he tried so hard that he essentially dug himself into, into, into quicksand. It got worse think, and worse and worse yeah, and worse. I think a know. lot of it's just archetypes and bullshit as well, yeah, though, mate. Yeah, I think yeah, it's, mate. you know, it's typical Tottenham. You, like, the amount of times we've heard that already... You know, we had a moan about this like at eight o'clock on Saturday morning, didn't we? Yeah, you know, typical Tottenham. This typical. Well, mm. I mean, have you have you watched us for the past season and a half now? Because these kind of trite observations are really just being disproven constantly. You know, and it, again, it's like with Lamella. It's this: he costs thirty mil. He's young. He's from South America. He's got a silly haircut. Therefore, he you must know? be soft. Oh, you know, yeah, yeah, it's just it's bollocks. It's it's utter bollocks. But such is life. Um, he's a good-looking Charlie Adam. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's Nasty. such a bastard. I love how much Nastiest of a bastard. player in the league. I love it. Like my uh, my friend who supports Norwich. He was he was uh, he was he went to the game, and he actually made a point of just of just texting me after. Like he had two points, which were, you know, we were the better team until you got a penalty. And also, Eric Lamella is a fucking cunt. And I was just like, yep, love it. Love, go, I love having Eric. a player that inspires... Not, obviously, you know, Luis Suarez or a John Terry, but a player that's just a bit of a bastard, a bit of a shit. And it, apparently it was all off-ball. He was just being a real nasty little bastard. Yeah, we, and I like we, that. We've, got quite, we've evolved into quite a nasty team. Yeah, in, in, quite, in a nice way. Like, you know, Deli Ali's got a little bit of mischief to him as well. Oh, big he, time. Deli, he, he's not shy to square up to someone and Mason loves it whenever he plays. Um, Danny Rose can be a bit like that. Carl Walker isn't afraid to leave a foot in. Vertonghen and Alderweireld can look after themselves. It's, you know, it's nice. I like it. Yeah, I love it. All we need now is Eric, 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 yeah, Christian Eriksen to like uppercut someone for no yeah. apparent reason then we're, then we're there. Speaking of bastards... Aaron Lennon scoring the best goal of his career against Spurs. The irony, the irony is there. I couldn't really think of a better way to round that off, but um, <laughs> the, irony, the irony is there. Yeah, there is some <laughs> irony, and it is there at the feet of Aaron Lennon as the ironic ball went into the net. Did you think though? Because there were a couple of times before um, he. Uh, he he got substituted, didn't he? But but a couple of times where he he got to the byline, I know he scored. But then there are many other times when when he sort of he got free and he got a little bit of space and he looked he had a sort of crossing angle and you just thought, so what? This is going straight to the this is yeah. going straight off the shins of of, um, of Ben Davis or straight to the goalkeeper or out of the area completely. It's just I mean I, I know people will sort of look at the goal and you know good for him good good hit, but um, all the old flaws are still there. So. Kind of, um, I was okay with that. It was, uh, it was quite, it was quite frustrating over the course of the game to leave Goodison Park with only a point. It, I know it's that whole, you know, if you do, if you were offered that before the game, you probably would have taken a point. However, it, it was, it was a bit frustrating because we did control large portions of the game. We kept Lukaku very quiet, 
Alderweireld was just had his number, didn't he? Like he, he was all over him. Um, where do you think we could have done better? Where, where do you think the the because it it felt like there was a lot of bite gone in the second half that there was no real tenacity there that we we weren't really ever chasing the game if anything it kind of looked like we were quite comfortable leaving there with a point um which i i I don't subscribe to i don't think that's a conscious thing um but i'm just saying it just kind of looked that way um is there anything do do you feel that we could have done better either of you to to secure all three I don't really care, to be honest. 10 points out of 12 over Christmas when people are losing around you is not a bad return. Um, the pace that the first half was played at and then towards the end of the game um, was was frenetic and I don't think the games that were played around it were anyway a reflection of, of how fit both teams appeared to be and how much both teams appeared to want to get to win the game. So I don't think there's anything more we, we really could have done, um, to be quite honest with you. There was... You know, a little bit of a mistake in the build-up to their goal, but that's that happens really, and you know, you can't really do much about the finish. I mean, Vertonghen was a bit soft. I mean, you were talking about how hard the players are. I think Vertonghen, if any of them, even though he's got a bit of a stature to him, I think he's probably a bit soft-centered inside. Not and a comment on his defensive ability, but I think as a as a bloke, he's one of those that'll uh, that'll flop more often than he won't. Um, but I think yeah, I was happy with it to be honest. I mean, a point as a sort of towards the last sort of minutes of the game where it it sort of started resembling one of those close heavyweight title fights where the last minute of yeah. the fight is just both of them looking for a knockout and wildly swinging tactics out the window. It um, yeah, it was basketball. It gone to, at the end. It was yeah, it gone it gone to pot. So yeah. I was happy to to not get caught because it it could have happened because nobody was really paying too much attention. Some of Delafeo's deliveries were horrible as well. Like they were yeah, so I mean, dangerous. Martinez used his Martinez used his substitutions extremely well, bringing on Mohamed Besic sort of gave them oh, a bit of uh, bite in midfield. By the way, I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah they, he gave them some, some organisation and bite in midfield that they hadn't had before. And and Delafeu, as you said, gave him an, an, an extra bit of class and dimension on the wing. And the only reason he didn't start really is because I think he had half an eye on their semi-final this midweek um, to go through to the mm. to League Cup. So they were... Um, you know, it, was, you, it was understandable. You know, the thing with Besic is that um, what I noticed when... Um, when he came on, he's, he's, he's like he's normally a, a defensive player, and and that's fine. And he, he did, you know, he did a lot without the ball. But he's um he's probably the most athletic of all of the um all of the fit midfielders Everton had. So when in the first half, when they would they, they lined up with cleverly and barriers, their sort of um their deeper lying players, right? That's quite a static pairing. I mean, you know, they they, they both do things, but they're not necessarily box to box players. Gareth Barry's, you know beyond the age where he could ever possibly have been that and Tom Cleverley is more of a um a temperament guy I mean he, he does you know drift into sort of final third occasionally but he's not particularly aggressive whereas Besic is like a metronome and so I think one of the reasons that the sort of momentum shifted was because Everton started to have an extra man in our half whereas before you know we, we were we were quite comfortable just to sit behind the ball and, and pick off their um attacks as, as and when they broke down but Besic yeah he was um yeah, I remember seeing him in the World Cup. He's, he looked like a really good player, and he's, um, yeah, a little bit envious of him, actually, if I'm mm. honest. I, I want to say as well, uh, Deli Ali's world class. I love him. I think he's phenomenal. That's what I wanted to chime in with. Not going to argue with that. Like, not everything he did over the course of the holidays was brilliant, but 
the lad just oozes class. He's so 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 good. Yeah, I mean his goal was brilliant, but the um, in the second half, his um, his chest touch to play in Harry Kane. That's just a mark of like just a really balanced footballer. Just you know to have the technique to do that, but also just have the awareness of to you know to put it in that place. I mean, it's good defending, I think, by um, whoever the covering Everton defender was, centre back. But um, every 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 uh, Jack and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like every every game he plays for us, he does something new, which is worth getting exciting about, excited about. Even it's just there's a kind of just this sort of growth in front of our eyes, which is. You know, it's just so much fun to watch him play. It doesn't even feel like the kind of like, you know, because there's been some, like we've spoken about it before at length, right? you know, like kind of the Townsends, the Adam Johnsons, the Delfts, some of these players that people are really desperate to see develop into this kind of next big hope for England and, you know, to be this young British star and stuff. But Deli Ali just, it doesn't even seem like it's, you know, there's any longing or any hope for it. He just, he just commands it. He's just there and he just, looks fucking quality like you don't you don't really see many people being that contrary about it either people just seem to know yeah this lad's fucking brilliant um and it's it's just lovely to have him at spurs for as long as we can keep him really because he's I don't know, he's special he's a very very talented lad love him um right uh well i guess one other maybe shot i don't want to follow Deli alley by talking about tom carroll but tom carroll has featured quite a lot um recently uh I mean, how how have you found him, lads? Is there, is there much you can take away from him? I thought he actually played quite well against Everton, to be honest. I don't, I don't think he's a, a guaranteed starter, and I don't think he should be a, a starter for us, but I think it's decent to have a player of his quality in the squad, at least, someone that we can bring on for kind of lesser fixtures, if you like. We, we've actually got a, a question about this, guys. Um, so we may oh, really? credit it, and then, um, yeah. So... Uh... I'm sorry if I pronounced this wrong. Uh, Harry Charolimbus, um asks us. I thought you were just going to say Harry. How do you, how else are you no, going to no. say? No, he's uh, he's at Prime Spur 1992, and he asks us, "Have your views on Tom Carroll changed?" You know when a female voice actor does the voice of a small male child, that's what he sounds like. Like in, <laughs> he's got in the crankies. Yeah, like a a prepubescent boy. He looks like a boy in, as in well, doesn't he? He looks about 14 yeah. years old. He definitely he doesn't um, even shave, does he? He's about, what is he? He's about 28 now, isn't he? He's about 28. <laughs> he definitely doesn't shave. Definitely. He no, doesn't no, look no. like it. No, no. He's been doing Movember since 1990. Yeah. Um, definitely uses he, links. <laughs> yeah, Africa. Wasn't yeah, he wasn't yeah, born yeah. in 1990. I think he's 1992. I think he's the uh, same age as me. Um, but um, dozen between his quotes in the changing rooms. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like you, Raj. keeps his keeps his boxers on in the shower. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 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 um, he's uh, no. He's, I think he's been really good. I think um, he's, he's classy on the football and does his job as he's supposed to, um, which is. You know, more, uh, as much as you can expect from him, I think uh, he's he's an interesting case in point with what Pochettino does with a lot of younger players, in that he sort of drops them in, and knowing what they've done in training, and allows them to flounder a little bit. I mean, after there are some managers that will see a, a younger player struggle and they'll not play him again. They'll give him more time in the youth team, or they'll send him out on loan and they'll do that to him. Whereas 
Pochettino, in, I'm not I'm not sure if he enjoys it, but I think he values that period in which a young player is uncomfortable on the field. I mean, you can see it with with Eric Dyer at um, defensive midfield in his first few games there, and and Harry Kane and Mason and Bentaleb that they were so they, they've had games where they've struggled, and, and it's never been a deterrent for Pochettino. He, he uses it as a learning curve, and having struggled and having seen how it is when they're not particularly up to speed, once they sort of get get the time to gauge it and get the time to improve and, and never sort of have that belief stripped away from them by being placed or forced to play elsewhere, they're, they're better off for it. And I think he's he's done better than that because it, there was that one game where he started, I think it may have been Newcastle where we lost and a lot of people sort of not blamed the defeat on him but sort of pointed to his inclusion as a, as a contributing factor of why we were so much I, I saw a lot of people worse off the place. Him, mate, actually. Sadly, but um, we really did point the finger. But um, but he's since that game he's he's kicked on, and it's because the manager hasn't sort of, you know, blamed him the same way others may have done, and he's given him the the time and the the understanding to sort of learn from his mistakes, which I think is a a running theme through what Pochettino does with younger players, and I think that's one of the the sort of secrets to his his success is that he's he's not scared or deterred by younger players struggling because I think it's completely understandable that it that it happens really glorious glorious bastard I love him Pochettino that is um, I don't mind you know I'm indifferent about Tom Carroll I like Tom Carroll I, th- I think you sorry you're dick oh dear um, that's just the effect I have on people so <laughs> <that is laughs> um, I think I think what's, what's really interesting about Tom Carroll is that a player that has remained like static in terms of his development for you know a couple of years now given you know a half a season with Pochettino and a few consecutive first team starts has actually already started started to show signs of improvement I I I I, I mean Harry's question about whether my opinion on him's changed I mean I I say it's evolved a little bit I don't think I'm it, it's changing I mean I I don't think that Tom Carroll is ever set to be anything other than, than like a quite a useful squad player at our kind of club. But I think that um, if you look at, if you were to watch those games again, if you go to go back to Newcastle and compare it with, um, compare it with the game of the weekend against Everton, I, I, I think you'd see that, I mean, he, he's, he's passing the ball forward a little bit more. He's finding space um, in an opponent's half a little bit better. And his, I don't know, he just, he just seems to be adjusting to the pace of the league a bit. And I, um, I don't know, and I, think, I think there's been a technical improvement as well. And I, I think, you know, it's just yet another example of Pochettino doing something with a player who we'd all kind of written and written off. Um, I mean, you know, in, what he can be, I don't know, because, you know, uh, no matter how good a chef is, you, you can only cook with the ingredients you've got. So I, I don't know what Tom Carroll ultimately add up to, but um, it's been interesting and it's just, I don't know, it's just another healthy symptom of, um, of life at the club, isn't it, really? Yeah. Coming Spurs. Um, right, so we've got a double header um, of Leicester games. Two two games of the week at White Hart Lane against the same club. Bit of a bizarre one, that. Um, so Raj is going to now speak to Mr. Joe Bruin, who we've had on the show before, and he's back again. Hello, Joe. Joe Bruin, a 442. Welcome back to Rollerus. You've been on plenty of times before now, so you're a seasoned professional at this podcasting thing with us now, aren't you? I think so. This is the hat trick. Is it the the hat trick? You is he a hat trick of talking about talking about Wes Morgan? Oh, uh, should we start with with Wes Morgan because this Jamaican Fabio Cannavaro that's playing at the moment isn't fooling anyone. Wes, what what have you done with Wes? Where's the real one? 
Uh, I think it's finally time you you admitted that he's a he's actually a very good defender. He is worryingly been very good this year, and it's I've I've been waiting sort of with bated breath for him to sort of kick himself in his wrong foot and send the ball in from from off his ass or something. But he's he's not done it as yet. I'm hoping it's happening in this next two weeks where you've got where we've got you back to back, just as a as a special New Year treat to me, just so that I know that 2016 is going to get off on the right sort of foot. He did have a, a mini moment against Bournemouth where he missed a sitter, um, but that was ah, one, yeah, one of those games where everything went wrong at that end. So, but at the back, he's been superb. I mean, he's been, he's been one of our best players this season. He's, he's played. He's basically never present. He's, he plays every single game. Uh, I think he played every single game available in in, in 2015. So he must have been one of a few outfield players to manage he's that. A, he's not had a summer off either. Hasn't he been off playing against Messi and things? Is that what is that what's made him? Yeah, better? that's right. Um, went off to to the Copa America playing for that well-known South American nation, Jamaica. Uh, and that was uh, after he played in the gold cup as well for, for Jamaica. And, and they did well in pretty well in both tournaments. So yeah, I think he got, he, he posted a collection of his shirts on Twitter. He seemed to basically be the biggest bloke on the pitch. Cause he, he had everyone's shirts, messy, basically the best players he got the shirts off. So don't mess is with he, Wes. Is he the Jamaican captain? Oh, I don't actually know to be fair. There's um, gaps in your Jamaican knowledge, is there? There is, there is. I'll let you, um, I'll let you, I'll let you off. It's not <laughs> the most professional thing we expect from a four-four-two journalist. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll let you off. Um, right, Leicester. Then I think the last time we spoke, when's that going to have been? At the start of the season, we played you and Drew. I think that's probably the one. And you were you were doing well. You'd Yen Ranieri had come in and had sort of not changed much and it was looking as if it was just going to be a good start and the fact that it continued and nobody really saw coming. Joe Jamie Vardy's record breaking run, Mares being brilliant, Kante doing well. I mean was it an ex- expectation of yours that, you know, all along Cambiasso was holding you back? <laughs> yeah, that 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 was an interesting one. Um to be honest, over Christmas, I was I was pretty numb to it all, to be honest. It was all so very, very odd. You were that drunk. Um, yeah, that's one way of putting it. <laughs> uh, it's, it's just completely ridiculous to think of how, how things have flipped in the space of, you know, less than a year. And especially when you compare it to what Chelsea have done. Um, and, and plenty of other teams are having some struggles. Uh, but no, it has, it has been completely obscene, really. I mean, you have to give Claudio Ranieri credit for, and Nigel Pearson actually said exactly the same thing uh, earlier in the week about how he's he's basically inherited a, a good thing, um, good little pat on the back from 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 Nigel himself there, but he hasn't changed too much. Um, he's, he's he's slowly added his own elements. He didn't sign too many players because he didn't really need to, um, and the players he has signed, Angelo Conte being one of them, who I'm not sure whether he signed specifically. We've got a very good scouting network. Um, he's been he's been incredible. Um, one of the standout players of the, of the whole season. Um, as as important as Morris and Vardy, in my opinion. Um, but straying back to the topic of Ranieri, you, you can't fault him really. He's he's clearly got the players on the side. He's got the fans on the side. They want to play for him. They listen to him by the looks of it. And and he's just got us playing to our strengths. And and. <laughs> You, you kind of expect it to finish and end, and it, which it sort of already has the the complete euphoria of it all. But they keep going every single week and keep defying expectations, and hopefully it will continue. 
I'll, I'll let you into a secret, Joe. When uh, when Leicester were top of the league, I saw on, on Betfair, I think it was, they were 501, 500 to 1, sorry, to, to go down. And uh, <laughs> given it was just at the start of their, uh, their, their run, I didn't put any money on it. But I said at the time, you know, that's worth a tenner because they're more likely to go down than they are to win the league. And this is before you'd, you'd really kicked on at, at the top. And I thought it was really long odds. And I said this, I went out for a drink with, with my lads and uh, I said this to him and my mate Luke laughed at me and he goes, you, you're crazy, they're never going down now. And I went, oh, no, I never said they were going to go down. I said they're more likely to. And uh, he said there and then, I goes, I'll, I'll double those odds for you, I'll give you a thousand to one. So I passed him a pound over. And uh, and I'm, I'm, so I've, I've been secretly waiting for you to car crash, Joe. <laughs> These past three games where you've not scored have been music to my ears. I've taken Vardy out of the fantasy team. I left Myers on the bench for the last game, and it's, it slowly seems to be uh, be slowing down. Is this a is it a worry for you that perhaps now you've reached forty points, the adrenaline might stop? Not really, because we're still we're still very much up there with a lot to play for. Um, we're not going to win the league, um, and Saturday's game against Bournemouth was was a come down because we we did basically everything to win the game except score the goal, which apparently is quite important in football. Um, when you miss a penalty, you miss sitters. Yeah, the, the other team have a man sent off. Uh, you expect that you're going to kick on and maybe get another scrappy one nil, but it didn't happen. And you know, Arsenal, Man City, they won, but it's it's quite an, an bizarre when you're wanting Arsenal, Man City to lose for your own team's title chances. That being Leicester, um, but I, I, yeah, we're we're not going to we're not going to win the league. We're not going to come close to winning the league. Top four is 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 a genuine. Aim. I actually think we'll finish below Spurs, but fourth place is very much up for grabs in my opinion. So that should be a realistic aim. I still think we'll probably finish near a sixth or seventh. But European football of any description would be would be brilliant. So you know, either way, this season is massive progress on the one before. So that, that's what that matters really. You don't think there's any chance you may do what what clubs in the past have done? I mean. They haven't had as good a start as you have, but there's been instances in the past where I remember Wigan on their first season up were up towards the top of the league and, and they dropped off. Hull City did it once and um, there's probably another one in there that I've forgotten about, but there's been more than a few cases where an unexpected team has had you know, an unbelievable first half to the year and then you know, got an Aston Villa amount yeah. of points in the second half and, and slowly crept towards the bottom and uncomfortably so. But I think the difference this season has been that those teams you mentioned before were were what they really were flash flashes in the pan. They they didn't last for a, over half a season, um, being where we are. And they also we've also had the fortune um, of of seeing other big teams suffer in this very very competitive year. So uh, you know Southampton are an obvious club to follow for us. They had a similar kind of season last year. They were the only team that was within touching distance of Chelsea for, for a while into sort of November time and then basically gave up and decided they didn't give a toss by the end of the season. But I I, I suspect there, there, there is plenty to play for, so I don't think it will be too much of a drop-off. The results are naturally going to drop off, but I don't think performances and, and the will to, to win will drop necessarily. So you've still got that sort of that, that swagger and bravado that the start of the season's given you. You've not sort of, you're not starting to sort of worry now. It's not a, a concern at all. Not particularly because we're not going to go down now. That because I imagine if if, Les- if, Tot- if Tottenham did what Leicester did, then I think the fans would just be counting down the days until sort of the wheels did properly fall off. <laughs> I think there may be because 
I think because it's quite a rarity for Leicester to be up there in recent years, for it to have gone so well, I think there's still sort of that beginner's sort of naivety about it. I think because Tottenham are a club where we're so pessimistic um, just by nature, I think, that we'd have our mindset would be completely different. Whereas it's quite nice to hear positivity from, from a Leicester fan because, I mean, in the modern landscape of the game, I mean, historically Leicester may have been a, a decent-sized club, but in in the modern modern sort of thing, it's you know you're a, you're a tiny little club that's you're punching well above your weight. It's it's um, it's nobody really expected you to be anywhere near the top. I'm going, to, I'm going to conveniently ignore the tiny little club remark, but I'm not. I mean, put it this way: look, we we were in League <laughs> One in in 2008, so. You know that was that was about as low as it got for us. Uh, well, it is as, it literally is as low as it got for us. Um, and we've been bouncing around the championship for far too many years. It's a it's a horrible division. You see some of the worst football you'll ever imagine with some of the worst players you'll who will ever play for your club. And all it takes is to get up there once and stay there. And and you know we already have been transformed. Um, You're sort but, of in a position where Middlesbrough are now, aren't you? Where you were clearly. Sort of a step above what's in the championship yeah. for the Lions' share, but you well, just couldn't seem to get over the line. You, there was a mental block. Even when you're top of the championship, you're you're not looking forward to the next game because you're thinking this is just another chance to to mess up. Basically, uh, you know, you've seen it with Brighton this year. They they started brilliantly, and they they've fallen away, um, and they've slipped to fourth or fifth. Middlesbrough are now runaway leaders, but the season we won the championship, it felt like we would win every week, and that was that's quite a rare thing. But that that's that's why so much credit go should go to Nigel Pearson for what he's basically achieved in in getting Ranieri's team this far. Has there been any sort of because along the way for Leicester it's not been a smooth run. You've sort of there's been the fairy tale story element to it, but at the centre of that there've been a number of sort of detracting factors and little scandals and things which I imagine annoy the fans because it's taken away from what you've undoubtedly achieved on the field as. As I said before, a tiny little club, um, which now I know that it annoys you. I may repeat <laughs> once or twice. There was obviously, you know, the the trips to Thailand um, that didn't go so well, um, and the fallout of that. Obviously, lost your last manager, which seems like a blessing in disguise now. And and several of the younger players were were let go. Uh, Jamie Vardy's um, insistence on who he plays with and who he doesn't at casinos was um, <laughs> was a shame. And um, the fact that he became sort of, you know, he's in beats by Dre adverts now, and it's yep. it's no joke that a few years ago he was literally playing for pennies on a on a Sunday in in, in non league football. So is that sort of those things, the, the extra pressure and attention that comes with the top of the league, is that an unfortunate thing that you sort of you've got? To- Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. I take with the ground when, you, when you're up there. Because I imagine, had Jamie Vardy been, you know, a lower league or a you know bottom of the Premier League type player, it wouldn't have been as big of a thing. But because Leicester are such a story this year, it was sort of propelled into a into a beast of its own. Yeah, it's a very unfortunate one for him. Um, it was a stupid thing to say. Uh, he knows it, and I don't think it'll be happening again in a hurry. Um, because of what the season he's having, he's 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 his rise has just been obscene, really. Considering not only where he's come from, but how how bad he was for us in his first season. It took him a long time to adjust. Um, and he, he was in a, you know, a semi reasonable team, but not that good. He was playing up front with Jermaine Beckford, um, which tells you enough. So, but the, you know, he's on the cusp of, of making England's Euro 2016 squad and, you know, hopefully starting if you, if you go by the form, then he should probably be starting. Um, Though that would probably involve dropping Harry Kane, which isn't going to happen, and neither is he going to drop Rooney. So, in all likelihood, he probably won't. Unless the, the favourite point... in Harry Kane, obviously. <laughs> yeah. No, well, it's, Harry Kane should be starting for England. That's, there's no doubt about that. But I would, I would also like to see Vardy start, not out wide. Um, that sadly won't happen in in Roy Hodgson's system. But going back to Vardy, it, it was it was a stupid incident. But I think he's he's done enough now to to get over it and make people forget about it, and it's not affected his season in any way. There's been a, a couple of, of well-known journalists and, you know, myself who anytime I ever have mentioned Vardy or write about Vardy, I will sort of perhaps go out of my way to mention what he's done before because it's not something um, that I particularly find forgivable. Um, although no. although yeah. if, you sep- if you separate sort of the man and the, the sportsman, you can obviously recognise his, his sport and achievements as one thing, but as a, as a package... Um, it does leave a, a very bitter taste in your mouth. Is that something that is is uncomfortable for you? Do you, do you think twice ever before you you cheer someone like Jamie Vardy? Because I mean, we've been linked with with players in the past that have done things and have said things and and what have you that um, I've said that I wouldn't want them at the club because of the sort of people they are and essentially as a fan of the club, the, the people that play for you, the people that represent you are an extension of, of something that you believe in and, and that you support. So has that been an, an uncomfortable thing for fans? Is there, was there any sort of backlash or were you very protective? Because I'm, I'm, there were some Leicester fans that I think perhaps let themselves down a little bit. Some some people yeah, at local press very, level. Some people do find it very difficult to separate the sporting and the, and the personal. And uh, it, it was very, it, it was very discomforting at the time. Um, and, and, because it was so, it was so stupid. It's so, you know, small-minded and, and and stupid. Really, I haven't actually watched it. I was too embarrassed to even watch the video. So I, I, you can only imagine how it went. Um, but I would like to think it was just a silly comment um, that he will never do again, and will hopefully learn from. I think he's been calmed down, actually, by the whole pressures of this season. To be honest, I think his 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 fiance has also helped him calm down a bit and I'd like to think he's moved on um certainly we we have and it was just a very stupid incident that will hopefully not happen again for him he's not going to be going on anymore nights out anytime soon <laughs> no I, I think he I, 
posted a picture of him going to bed on New Year's Eve at about ten o'clock. So, well, you know, uh, we'll we'll leave that in the, in the past for now because it's not your fault, but it's obviously something that you've got to ask about when it's a, a Leicester game, and we've got two of them back to back. So, there's that. Um, I want to ask about someone who perhaps has taken up Wes Morgan's mantle this year in Gok and Inla because he was he was brought in the summer and you know he's given a big fanfare because he's obviously come from a big club at Napoli. He's a fantastic player, he's a you know Swiss international, and he's he's hardly played. He's sort of you know he's been an invisible man. He's, he's almost forgotten about. If you asked most people where he was playing now, you know few would know he was at Leicester because he just hasn't appeared as much. Um, What's happened there? Has that been a bit of a disappointment or has it just been a case that Danny Drinkwater's been so good that he's been keeping him out of the team? It's, it's been a bit of both, actually. Um, the, the the main reason he's not been playing is this year because you can't drop Danny Drinkwater or, or, or Conte because they've both been so good. Um, but he's had his, a few chances along the way. Uh, he started against Man City the other day when we, when we played five in midfield and went one up front. And he was he was he was good defensively, but his his ball work isn't quite up to scratch. I think he's come from a very slow paced division and hasn't quite got used to the Premier League yet. Um, but generally speaking, it's it's just been because of the form of others. Uh, he did actually he, he he's made very few appearances, and one of them was against you actually. He came on as a sub, tried a shot from forty yards, then you scored, and then we scored, and then that was that was his eventful game. Um, but it's, it's literally just the form of others, to be honest. But he hasn't looked exceptional. He hasn't looked like the player who we thought he would. But, you know, it's plenty of time and he, he hasn't had that many opportunities. So you've got to give him more time to, to prove himself. But whether he wants to do that is, is a different story. I mean, the, the squad, the, the players that have done well have been sort of the, the, the unexpected ones. I mean, Riyad Mahrez from Le Havre has been one of the players of the year. I mean, the, until he missed that penalty, obviously, but he's been fantastic. Um, I personally think he's a, a much better player than Jamie Vardy is. Um, just with his skill set, I think he could probably go further if he's coached properly. There's yep, probably more in his locker um, to do there. Um, I think he's probably more in danger of leaving the club than Vardy is because there's there's big clubs apparently after Vardy, but I'm not sure. It's his age. That... He turns. He's, he's you know 29 imminently. Morris is 24 at the tip of his powers, and I suspect that he will be the subject of a of a pretty big bid in the summer. And I I think he'll probably go as well. But it's it's comfort as well with some of these players because there's no mistaking that this is the best form that Jamie Vardy's ever been in. And when you change that for a player who has obviously got a limitation of, of how good he can be, it reminds me a lot of um, of Ricky Lambert at, at Southampton when he went to Liverpool, a, a much bigger club, and it was obviously a dream move for him. He didn't get the, 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 the time to prove himself or he, he didn't get to settle and he wasn't as effective there or anywhere close to being as effective as he had been at Southampton where he'd you know, become part of the furniture and I think that would be a, a similar story for, for Vardy if he was to go elsewhere. Well, the day the day Vardy becomes ineffective is the day that he, he loses his pace. That, that's that's the, the, the simple fact of it, that he absolutely terrifies defenders and is, is perfect for the way we play on the counter-attack. And that's something that he's, he wouldn't get necessarily in a big team because they have more of the ball... They play closer to the opponent's goal, and so we—he's not going to leave. He's already said, you know, he's not really got any intention of leaving. He's not really that bothered about the money. Um, he, he shouldn't leave because he's—he's he's not with all that headphone money coming in. <laughs> well, exactly. 
Yeah, and and so he's in a very good place. He's the focal point of this team, and he will stay that way until he gets older, basically. Um, and so that's about the size of it, I think. You seem quite um, seem quite heavy on the wings. You've you've just bought Demarai Gray from uh, Birmingham um, for uh, I'm not sure how big the fee was, but it's not going to be cheap because three point returning. three point seven million release clause. Oh, is that, is that all it was? I yeah, it was yeah, very good Yeah, um, who's obviously another... He's he's, almost, he's he's slightly similar to Mares in the way he plays. He's very tricky on the ball and very quick, and he's got a shot on him. He's a he's very much a rough diamond, though. He'll need coaching quite a bit because he's, um, he's one of those where he could just sort of run into cul-de-sacs with his head down if he's not careful um, and isn't told how to use the ball a bit more effectively but it's, it's a good signing but you've got you've got plenty of talent on the wings all Brighton Schlupp Dyer Mares uh, even Vardy you could push out there uh, Okazaki's been playing a bit wider as well at points um, are you, you going to have to start selling some of these players to keep the squad happy because it seems you've you've sort of overcompensated in certain areas uh, no Okazaki is, is, very, is very much a striker he has been playing behind Vardy um, rather than out wide. Dyer is on loan from Swansea, um, so he's not really our player. Uh, Gray is definitely one for the future. I don't expect he's going to be starting many games this year, but he could. we could see him come off the bench a few times. Um, but certainly, yeah, he's one for the future. And I suspect, you know, realistically, maybe he is a long-term replacement for, for Mares. Um, Albrighton's been pretty irreplaceable this year because he's been he's just a really diligent, hard worker and... He's had an end product to his game as well this year. So, and Jeff Schlupp's injured at the moment. So, really, sort of player Aston Villa could do with. We have a Brighton, pretty balanced squad. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't, I don't think we have to be selling anyone. I think Gray's been bought for the future. I don't think he's expecting to start every game this year. Uh, hopefully, we might see him a little bit on Sunday. Um, but that's that's. I don't really know what sort of teams we can expect on Sunday. To be honest, I'd suspect heavy rotation. It's the cup game first, and then it's the league match midweek, isn't it? Straight afterwards. Yes. So Leicester, are they staying down in, in London for those few days like some clubs tend to? I've got no idea. I'd probably not, I'd assume. For, How is far is it from Leicester to to well, London? Because Leicester's one of those weird places in the Midlands, isn't it? Yeah, but you've, as, a, as a northern man, you should probably know where you know things are. It's usually southern people who don't really know what's above Watford. As soon as we get sort of further past South Yorkshire, I'll stop caring. Once you get past <laughs> Sheffield, it doesn't matter anymore. Leicester is 100 miles from London, hour and a half, nothing is really. It, is it, it's like Derbyshire sort of area, isn't it? So it's yeah, just, just past like Chesterfield the, and that. Slap bang in the middle, in the middle. Uh, what do you think about Tottenham then? Because um, I mean, we've we've quietly had a, had a very good season, um, less quiet in the last few weeks when people have been talking about league titles and silly things like that, which isn't sort of what you're after. But um, is it, you've you've had a decent enough record against us since coming back up you've been playing well against us you knocked us out of the cup at the same point last year um is this one where you think there'll be two sort of tight games i think they're going to be two very different games purely because there's just going to be two very different teams out um i assume title talk must terrify tottenham fans who are naturally and very very rightfully pessimistic but this season has been very very promising not not just for the fact that they've been winning games but that they have a team that they can you know, finally really like. There's a Richo Postino is a you know, he's a progressive forward thinking manager. He's he, he's built his team around a, a, a strong English core, playing good football, you know, they they've made the right signings. 
Um, and this is probably a season summer where you probably thought, well, we haven't really done enough here, but he's kind of worked with what he's got and, and there's a lot to admire about that, really. And so I don't think you're going to win the title. There's still definitely going to be some Spursy results before the end of the season. Um, but I, just, I think you'll finish third and I think that'll be a good season. Yeah, I don't think there's any realistic or clever Tottenham fans with any sort of brain capacity that are turn their nose but third place to be quite honest with you um oh, i bet there is i think every club's got their own section of idiots unfortunately exactly. <laughs> um i bet there's probably leicester fans who think it'd be a disgrace if you don't go on to win the league now oh probably um, which is you know i try not to, i try not to read about what they think to be honest <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, do you think you're gonna win one of them do you think it's gonna go to a replay the the league game because it's almost like a, you know what the Americans do with their sports, where they have a, a several game series towards the end of a year to to work out who's going to win. It's almost yeah. like that because they're so close together, they're just turning it around and going straight back at each yeah. other. Well, to be honest, I think for both teams, Sunday's game is a it was a bit of a bonus. I'm not I'm not sure either set of fans are absolutely desperate to win it, which is which is weird. I, I really like the FA Cup as a fan. I think it's great, but I, I think Spurs be, fans will take an FA Cup because it's been what ninety. Ninety-one, the last time we won it. Yep, and so they've not won it in my lifetime. No, it's, obviously it's a, it's a competition everyone really wants to do well in, and we actually did quite well last year thanks to Vorm chucking one in at the end. That was that was nice. Not sure whether they will play again this time. <laughs> he's not been trusted um, for quite some time. I think no, he'll probably be. But he's barely played since that game. I don't think has he? So no, um, he had another shocker in a Europa League game. Um, he's he's good for a ricket, is Michel Vaughan. He's very much an understudy. Um, if Hugo Lloris touch wood was ever to go anywhere, which one hopes is is uh, is further away than it is anytime yeah. soon. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't really really feel like you have to rest a goalkeeper. It's stupid. We've got Schmeichel and then Schwartz, who's nowhere near good enough. And he also played in that game last year as well. Isn't uh, he about 55 now as well? He, he is. I believe he is about 55. Have you still yeah. got Ben Hamer? Because he do it. He had a, a terrible one when uh, when uh, Christian Eriksen scored a free kick past him. He did, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he went on loan. Uh, I think he's at Bristol City. He was supposed to go to Forest, then they got a transfer embargo, so he had to come back and then go to Bristol City. I think he's still there. Um, but I, I suspect we'll change a few things up. We'll probably have uh, Ben Chilwell, who you're familiar with from... from Half supporting Huddersfield, uh, he's been yeah, known there and done really well. Uh, he should play at left back because Vanieri really likes him. Uh, he's Liverpool, excellent. He's really, really Liverpool, excellent. Uh, heavily linked with him from the from the Klopp Dortmund Wagner connection. Yeah. Uh, I suspect Vasilevsky will come in for one of the centre backs. Probably not Wes. Probably Huth. Uh, so you'll get to see Wes probably. The latter will, will come in for Simpson at right back. We've not talked about Christian Folks. Christian Fuchs has been brilliant. Yeah, he's been brilliant. Yeah, he really has. He, he might get pushed forward and play left mid. Uh, but this is pure speculation. Uh, Di- we've got Nathan Dyer who probably will play. Inler will play. Have you still Ocker got that one from play. Atalanta? Yeah, Ben Luan, who we've barely seen. I, yeah. forgot about, I actually forgot about him, so he could play. I, I forgot his name. Yeah, <laughs> Johan ben, ben Luan. He's, um, he played a few times at the start of the season, basically came on to shore things up for 15 minutes or so at the end of games, but barely seen him since then I can't even remember the last time he played do you think you'll be buying many in, then in January or do you think it'll just be grey and that's it no I think we're, we're definitely looking for a right back because well Danny Simpson has actually done surprisingly well this year basically just sitting in his own half just letting Morris do do his own thing in front of him he's still Danny Simpson and Richie Delat is also Richie Delat and then neither of them are particularly great 
Does that's Albrighton good. not play wing back? Uh, no, we, we play four four two. So we've got Fuchs left back, Simpson right back, Albrighton left wing, Morris White on the right. Yeah. Um, so Simpson Simpson's not a Premier League class really. He's limited. He's steady enough. Uh, but we've been linked with a 17-year-old Sampdoria player who's, who's apparently highly rated. Um, we're linked with uh, Sam Byron from Leeds as well. So I think they're, yeah, they're trying to, trying to, to look on. for a young right-back for the future slash soon. Okay. Um, if I ask you for a score prediction then for both games before we leave it. Go for 2-1 Spurs on Sunday. And yeah. then I'll say 1-1 in the league. Okay, that's fair but enough. Hardy should be back from his minor groin surgery for for the Premier League game, so that's a, a good thing for us. I thought he was out for two weeks. Uh, they say they say ten days, which should mean a game. But he'll come up as a sub then, won't he? I think he'll play in the in the league game. They say he's only going to miss one game, so we'll see. We've done well against the informed strikers this year. We've kept Lukaku out and whatnot, so we'll we'll see how we do against him. Well, we gave Harry Kane one of the crappiest hat tricks you'll ever see in football. <laughs> yeah, yeah so. I, I do remember that. Yeah, I'd it's like again. it's like if you ever go on YouTube and watch Luther Blissett's hat trick, his only goals for England against Luxembourg, uh, they were nine 0 and it's one of the worst hat tricks you'll ever see. So I leave you with that one. Yeah, that's that. that's one for everyone to go home and YouTube and enjoy, Absolutely. I'm sure. Thanks very much for your time, Joe. Um, no I would say good luck for the next couple of games, but I wouldn't mean it. No, I, I can echo your sentiment. <laughs> All right, ciao very much, mate. No problem, cheers. Cheers, Joe. Um, nicely done, Raj, for chatting shit and getting banged, eh? Leicester Bantz, yeah. Um, Leicester. That bubble's burst, doesn't it? You know, one of my favourite things about this podcast is that none of us do like a work laugh when somebody else says something terrible. It's always just awkward <laughs> silence, silence, so somebody knows they haven't. You know, <laughs> you've said something and we've not approved. We just sit in silence and allow you to wallow in in the awkwardness of of what you've just attempted to pull off. No, I don't find it awkward. It's kind of it's my, my stick, isn't it? It's what I do. You know? <laughs> yeah, but I, I just like people to know that it's not planned. It's not sort of what we do, because like you know, you'll. I'm not sure you'll other Tottenham podcasts or anything, but on some shows and things you'll, and that like, you'll particularly see it on talk shows where like the interviewer will like do a fake work laugh just to sort of get himself through it, as if like the guest is the funniest person they've ever met in their life, and we don't do that. We just sort of. We've, yeah. we've got we've not got enough respect start, start to fiddling with our phones out of embarrassment that kind of thing yeah, yeah. but you know it's better it's more real isn't it like, I think we're shattering the illusion that Rule the Roost isn't rigidly scripted but <laughs> but it is well it is yeah but we just this is kind of part of that scripting it's though, like right? yeah it's kind of like a Gervais style improv I think we're really going to be twisting everyone's melons with this, they're going to be thinking like, oh, is it? Mm, I think they're being a bit nonchalant about it. To be honest, I don't think anyone will give it any thought at all. We've um, got hundreds of writers. Everyone's switched <laughs> off already. Tetrunk is actually the product of ten people in a writer's room. Yeah, lots of whiskey and, you know, manic people. And every voice is Jack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good God. Um, Can't wait for that right. plot twist. That, that episode. Jack Ingleton. At Jack Ingleton asks, is Ericsson being unfairly criticised? Does he need to play centrally and how do we accommodate this? That's two different questions. 
First question, is Ericsson being unfairly criticised? I think so. I, I, think I so reckon he is. Yeah. What, what criticism of, them, of him is there? That he's not performing, that we should bench him, that he's... For who? Well, yeah. This is, this is the um, problem with fashionable criticism, though, isn't it? It's kind of empty. Like, it, I mean, it, I, think, I, I think we've all, between the three of us, said this, but Ericsson's the kind of player who, when he's gone in four or five years, you'll look back and think, actually... He was probably a little bit better than we, we we thought he was. I mean, he just um just because he's not swinging in twenty five yard free kicks and he's not scoring last minute winners anymore, it doesn't mean that he's not contributing. I mean, he, he didn't have a a great game over. Uh, he didn't have a great game at Goodison Park, admittedly, but you know he, he he's, he's he's I think in a way he's um his role has become because sort of some of the other players around him have, have grown to prominence and are doing. No, uh, are being more offensively productive. So Lamella and Ali and um, periodically Chad, Chadley and Son. Um, he doesn't. The onus isn't on him to create everything. Not all of our attacking play goes through Christian Eriksen anymore. Um, and so you know, there's a natural drop off in his in his sort of visible contribution. But I think that we've got no problem with the kind of the part that he plays in the overall team structure at all. I just think as well. I, I think about Spurs for for so many years. Like we. We've always been that team that we've we've had kind of decent players, but we've never really had those, I don't know, those players that can transition play, if you like. Yeah. And Ericsson just does that. He just keeps the ball moving all the time. And so, like you say, you know, if he's not zipping in free kicks and he's not assisting, although I think he still has assisted the most goals out of our team this oh, year. Oh, yeah, he's still contributing in that um, sense. He's just not in the kind of the, the last... You know, he went through that period of scoring last-minute winners about a year ago. Yeah. At Hull and but, Leicester and Swansea. and Well, not... Last wasn't last minute, but you know, I don't know. It's just it, Sunderland. It, it it's just it's no coincidence to me that when he came off at Goodison Park, although you know, all right, he didn't have the best game. We still looked pretty toothless when he did come off. You know, yeah. it always results in Kane dropping back. You know, having to play further down the field. I, I, I think that's the nail on the head, Jack. Actually, I think the kind of the um the reason why the criticism is unfair is kind of look at what look at look at the drop off in us when he's not on the pitch. I think that's the um, that's that's the key thing there, and I think that with with the manager we've got, he's not somebody that's has favourites or is going to pick someone no. and keep them there if they're not doing the job in which he wants them to be doing. Um, and I don't think we've got a manager where we can ever say that we actually know better than him at the moment. Is not with what he's done, he's afforded himself. The, the sort of the luxury of being able to sort of pick the team he wants to and make the decisions he wants to because they're going right more often than they're not. And fair enough if you've got somebody like Tim Sherwood playing NASA Chandler as a defensive midfielder, you may <laughs> be able to, you know, raise your eyebrows and go, Come on, mate, you've you know, get your act together. But it's it's not the case with with what Pochettino's doing. He's he's got more right, as I say, than he has wrong. And Ericsson specifically as well, the 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 form that we've been in of late while he's been in the side it's been fantastic. So why would you remove an element of that? Because it's we're not a one man team. It's everything we do is is as a team, as an as a we are absolutely a, a one man team now. That's the thing. Exactly, it? it's a unit. So why would you remove one cog from that machine and sort of unbalance what is a very settled and balanced side um, in favour of sort of searching for somebody who's going to do something. Um, you know what that's you know fashionably seen as outstanding whereas if you if you've got like 11 players who are all great you're going to you know go win more matches than you are if you've got 11 all right players and one decent one because this is this is a better side than we've had 
when when Bale was here. It's a better team than perhaps even as a team unit. Maybe it's even better than the one where they had, you know, Van der Vaart and Modric in it because that you you clearly had standout players within that structure, and everybody else's job was to sort of to shape it around them. And that's not the case now. Everyone's got a job to do. It's it's eleven bodies and and as a cohesive unit in a in a fashion that I don't think we've ever seen before. No, I think I. I think that's a very sure good point about in, the, um, yeah. the, the Champions League team, that Van der Vaart side. Right? You know, I've always thought that, I, I, and don't get me wrong, I loved watching it. And I think this team probably beats that one. I think this team probably beats that one because I think this team oh. this team frustrates... Well, yeah, we outwork them. Well, they, initially this team frustrates mm. that one and then the cracks start to appear because that was that was the red nap hallmark. You know, if we, you remember how, how strongly we used to start in the first 20 minutes to half an hour? The, the idea was then to score early, to get ahead, and to, pre- to, to press home the advantage of having, you know, an opponent chase the game. Whereas the longer games went on um, under Redknapp, you know, you, you think about like Wolves or Wigan or, you know, the, 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 those those really shitty games at White Hart Lane. Norwich at home. Norwich at home is a great example, yeah. There was always going to be, there was always a fragility that sort of transcended the Modric's and the Bales and the Van der Vaart's and, you know, I mean, Ledley King was coming towards the end there as well, but you know, there were there were problems, there were cracks in it, and I think I've always thought that our flair um, disguised those cracks to a certain extent, and that's not to say I didn't love that team because I really did, and, and it's it's getting to watch that team in the flesh is one of my most precious footballing memories, but you know, in hindsight, and compared to the organisation and the structure which exists now, you can see it for what it probably was, um, and. Yeah, that's not. I, I know it's really. It, it's something we always do. We trash right now, and I, I don't mean to do that because, you know, there's plenty of legitimate reasons to criticise him without, you know, um, whipping him with, you know, one of the most successful Tottenham sides in decades. But it, that was a problem, and we saw it quite a lot, you know, um, especially towards the end. But I think this. I think this team is. Um, it's more satisfying to watch because it, it 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 functions more cohesively, and. That's something I kind of appreciate. I think now. The the only caveat I would say to to that though is that I I don't know if this team, and I, I'm not sure any team in the league really has been properly tested. I don't think there's anyone that's particularly stand out in the league this year. And I know you can kind of hint to that being a an overall distribution of like strength and quality within the league. But at the same time, there's no one like you know. Liverpool's second place season when they were running away and you had mm. Suarez in mm. absolutely blinding form. Um, and there's, you know, the, like we had with Bale, who was just absolutely kind of smashing through the league. We've had with Chelsea in the past, with like Hazard last year, Drogba. I, I don't know if anyone stood out. I mean, like you look at kind of Giroud, who was close to resembling decent form. He he really did harry it and trouble us when we played them at the Emirates. God. So I, I I don't know. I do worry about us getting a little bit ahead of ourselves. I would like to see us tested against like someone who is you know maybe a fully fit Aguero, Man someone City like away, that. that that's going to be um that that kind of fixture, you know, or like a, that's a proper litmus test. That is, yeah. You know, in a way though, I've always thought of Everton as um. I mean, not so much anymore, but Everton under David Moyes used to be that kind of barometer team. Um, and I think now it's probably Stoke at, um, at the Britannia. You know, one of those sides that you don't really beat unless you play quite well, unless you're, you, you play quite well and you're efficient. Um, and it would be interesting to see what we would do at the Britannia now, how we deal with that kind of 
because it's not a physical threat. It's an actual, you're playing a good football team with a lot of movement and a lot of ability. Um, but yeah, certainly the top end of it is like a Man City. I mean, even Chelsea still at Stamford Bridge is, is pretty, it's going to be a bit of an ask by the time we get there, I think. We've not done that in quite a while. Exactly. No. Yeah, but they'll, they'll, they will be better by the time we get there as well. I think they're starting to improve anyway. It'd be absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Um, let's have a look now. Sure, we had that shampoo. Um, Simon Kelly. This is quite an interesting one, actually. Really, I don't know how much you've spoken about this kind of thing with Joe already, Raj. But Simon Kelly at Simon underscore says ninety three asks if you could swap an injured Vardy for Mares in the upcoming Leicester games, would you? I'm assuming he means like, would you rather Mares? Yeah, we we, we said that we said that Mares was the better player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I can't wait though. I think like Mares to me is the sort of player that Man City spunk twenty twenty five million on this summer and realised he's not all that though. No, I think he's I think he's fantastic. I think he needs coaching properly, and then if he's if he was to be coached properly and be given the same amount of playing time somewhere other than Leicester, I think he'd be fantastic. Liverpool. I think Vardy's. Liverpool, possibly. Was, uh, yeah, Liverpool. I think uh, Vardy's possibly, you know, he's he's sort of a Ricky Lambert type thing, is is what I compared him to. Where he sort of found somewhere after a, a sort of lower league journeymanish career, where yeah. it's everything's come to to place, and you don't trade that in because you've seen it go wrong so many times before. You've seen Grant Holt have that sort of career trajectory. You've seen, as I say, Ricky Lambert have that one. And if you if you stick it out and you you carry that on, you're likely to be better off than you are if you. If you try and push it, yeah, I mean, good luck to Vardy, like, but he's, you know, it's no, not good luck to him. He's a racist. Yeah. I hope oh. he, I hope he's terrible and loses everything he has. I didn't say this to Joe. <laughs> I did, I did question him about it, but um, my my personal feelings toward Vardy, I think he's absolute scum. God, and, I tell you what, uh, I I um I wrote an article about this a couple of months ago about the Vardy thing, and um, I made the mistake. Is this the one for the Aryan Brotherhood? <laughs> <laughs> one for you, Max. It. I don't know, kind of bit of a separation there. Um, but oh, I um, similar sort of I thing. made the point that that, that Rod just made that just in you know in softer language, um, and um, it had found its way into like a less. I did that mistake of googling my own name, which is just. I think that sort of sums up both of our stances, though, on on most things. Yeah. Though I said the same as Raj, but in softer language. Oh, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Southern Raj with a lot of my opinions. It's just different. It's you know. Like and Roger please Roger. never use my name and Southern in the same sentence again, please. <laughs> but I, I, I came across it, and it's just sort of. I, I mean, I, I, there's no point in us turning this into, you know into the you know a discussion of the Jamie Vardy issue because it's we all have our opinions. There's on not it. a discussion to be had. I don't that's, think. Is that's it? kind of my stance on it. Yeah. Um, but you know the defences that are made of Jamie Vardy by Leicester fans are, I mean, my article was picked apart. The only defences I could find was, what does he know? He's got a double barrel surname. Uh, he's a Tottenham fan, so it's nothing to do with him. Uh, and Jamie Vardy can't be a racist because he plays for my club. And it's just like, God, fuck off! Come on, just some have come some kind of social responsibility here. All right, let's move on because I can feel myself getting annoyed about this. It upset me, this, reading through that forum, being called a, a cunt by, like, 40 different people. Should be used to that by now, though, shouldn't you, Sev Stafford Ball? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That's the greatest internet comment ever. Yeah. That was... Who was it that came up with that one? It me. Was, it was... <laughs> Under pseudonym. <laughs> it was an anonymous tweeter on uh, on an article I wrote a while ago. 
and, and his Harry Potter titles. <laughs> yeah. I think I, I think I know exactly who wrote that, but I can't prove it, so I'm gonna keep quiet. Got under your skin, didn't it? It was just like it's so I, I just hate internet comments. I just think fuck off, get out. Just you know, because you, you, you can kind of the average internet commenter, I think, it's not even the comment, it's the kind of it's the exercise of leaving the comment and then spending the rest of the day checking back to see if they've got any attention. Um and obviously, you Max have got a, uh, a social, uh, an employed social media um, guy, and uh, he just spent the day just prodding at people that were having a go at that Leicester article, actually. Um, but no, fun times, <laughs> fun times online. Joseph at Dom underscore Carpel asks, "What's your favourite last-minute winner stroke equaliser Spurs have ever scored?" Great question. Thank- Great. Fourth Arsenal. That's that's one of the top five happiest moments of my life. Uh, that was just that was that was pure that was just joy. I was playing poker in a room full of gooners and they were just <laughs> so so smug. So smug when I when that was happening on the television in the background and uh yeah, I just I lost my shit at the table. Couldn't help it. I was in a pub with my dad and we both jumped up and Hugged and things at the same oh. time. It was brilliant. I was hugging strangers in a in a pub on the King's Road. It was. Uh... That was most of your time in London, though, wasn't it? <laughs> no, you know what? I, 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 I love that moment. I I I just I was. You know, I, I want to give a um a, a special mention though to um. I've always I always quite enjoyed Lennon's winner against Liverpool at White Hart Lane. Yeah, that was a good. That time. was nice when he when he when he did pull Kuncheski inside and um, side footed him. That was quite nice. Um, I also quite liked his winner against Chelsea on uh, when we, you know, the game in which we hadn't beaten them for about fifty years. And then that wasn't last minute, though, was it? Yeah, it's not last minute, but it's talking about Lennon winners. So, you know. Yeah, it was a great player. I, I, I love Aaron Lennon. He was, but it was, it was time to put him out to pasture. Yeah, I do, but I still, I, I still not amused that he never got a testimonial. Yeah, that goal makes up for it. We let him score that. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, I, I, the thing is, I mean, it's funny because the, the obvious example is, and the most significant one is probably Alan Nielsen. But then that was a really funny goal aesthetically, if you remember it. I mean, it's just the, the, the sort of, yeah, I don't know. I just kind of, because it, it, you, you think that sort of late goals in, in that kind of situation are going to mean more, but they because it's a final and because there's a trophy on the line, the goal itself kind of gets swallowed by the achievement. If that, yeah, I, I don't know if that makes any sense whatsoever, but it just kind of, I never when people ask that question because it comes up periodically. I never think of Nielsen, which is, which is no. really strange, isn't it? And none of us mentioned it, which is is odd. How late was Jonathan Woodgate? That was, was that the first half of extra time. Yeah, yeah. yeah so it wasn't. I mean, I, I I think we all enjoyed that, but. Um, Again, that's that's another example, though, isn't it? Because it's you think of the, you know, obviously you remember the Woodgate goal, but you remember the, the 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 day more than the individual moment. And I think kind of in the Premier League, the opposite is true. Your kind of your individual moments get elevated above the game and above the three points or the one point. Or... Robbie Keane scored a goal that same season, the four all at home against the. Oh, that was brilliant! The, the one where he skipped inside and then against uh, Chelsea yeah. and yeah. Burbs Kudachini pulled off that. Oh, He's incredible at save. Um, one person you'd want it to fall to as well. Jesus when he cut Christ. inside and when he fainted, he just thought, "Here we go." Yeah, yeah, I'm up. 
<laughs> Jesus, what a save. Tim Abel at Tim Abel 6 asks... Amateur photoshopper. What? Yeah. <laughs> What I'm not having let it go, is... Tim. I promise you, I'm going to hold that against you forever. <laughs> He's going to do you now, mate. Yeah, He's going to properly. You've, you've asked for more now. That's it. <laughs> um, what You're going to be photoshopped TV? into pictures of Simon Danjuk. <laughs> <laughs> Won't be much work required. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, right, Raj. Just take Seb's normal phone. <laughs> Especially if it's no, don't 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 don't, don't, <laughs> don't do friendly fire, Jack. No. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what new season of TV are you most excited about in 2016? Um, well, I, you know, I've been I've been watching. I don't know if you've watched it yet, Raj. I'm not even going to ask you, so because I know you won't have done. Have you watched any of Jessica Jones yet, Raj? No, uh, my dad's watched it and he says it's very good. I've not watched it as yet. I've, I'm so behind on all forms of television and and games and things. I've got like three or four PS4 games that aren't even out of their plasticine yet. Not plasticine, plastic wrapping. It'd be weird if they came in plasticine. It'd be horrible. But, yeah, it stinks. I hate yeah. plasticine. Um, and um, I've got uh, yeah, loads of TV that I've not watched. Like loads on a USB stick and loads of my Skybox that I've not even touched yet. I've sort of. I've watched an inordinate amount of terrible films over Christmas and terrible television, but I've not watched any anything decent because I've just not. Because you know, you, I sort of I spend a lot of my time when I watch those sort of things on my Todd at late at night doing it, and I've not really had much time to do it because I've been working and spending so much time with with family over the past couple of weeks, and uh, before that I was busy working and stuff that I've not managed to do stuff as much as I'd want to but I'm, I've got a bit of time now to hopefully try and catch it with stuff I mean I've heard a lot Seb I think the first person I heard mention it was Seb which is worrying and then what, a lot Jessica of people Jessica Jones? Got, no 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 making a murderer oh mate have you guys started it yet? No, no, I've not started it yet. But you've list. got to. Yeah, people have been comparing it to the Jinx, which was my favourite TV of last year. Yeah, well, this is why. Th- this is why I messaged you when I saw it, Rog, because yeah. like, you, you, you two both seem to. I, thought, well, I can't remember if you've seen it, Jack, but Rog obviously loved the Jinx. No, and, um, I haven't seen the Jinx. I want to. Though. And um, I, I, making murder is one of the most. I'm going to be really careful not to give everything away, but it's one of the most unsettling pieces of television, but also one of the most engaging pieces of television I've seen ever. It's extraordinary. Um, I met a guy actually today. I, I, I was out and about today, and he, we were, I met a guy who, who'd seen it. And we were talking about it. And he said that um, he'd seen it, and one of his friends had done quite a lot of googling after it. So, if you see it, as and when you see it, it's important to kind of probably add a little bit of your own context to it. I think, but it's still it's fantastic. It's the best thing I've seen all all, all yeah, it, I've it, heard it. all through 2015, definitely. I've heard it described as cereal meets the jinx, which is sort of yeah, well, as I, far I, as... I always listen to cereal, but I haven't seen the jinx, but that sounds, from the way you described it, Raj, yeah, that sounds pretty spot on. Yeah, The jinx was incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm not, yeah, I'm not seeing that. Making a Murderer, so I can't compare it, but apparently it's it's as good, which is, you know, quite a statement to make, so it's definitely high up on my list. There's also... Um, Bill Burr's got a cartoon on, on Netflix. Oh, really? Yeah, F is for family, I think it's called, or something like that. Okay. And, um, oh, it looks a bit like a, like a Mike Mike Judd's um, cartoon, like, you know, King of the Hill, Beavis. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. set in the 70s, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, th- I think it's only six episodes long, so that's one that you could probably watch in an afternoon. I hated um, King of the Hill. Oh, what? I, I never got I never got into it because uh, I, I think I was too young at the time it was out to ever really watch it. 
the only episode I ever remember watching was when the little kid is it Buddy? Bobby, like Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Um, smokes propane, a cigarette. Propane accessories. Smokes a cigarette <laughs> and the dad makes him smoke the entire carton and it's like yeah. a box full. That's the only ever scene I ever remember of King of the Hill. Pretty, uh, yeah. I don't know. I always quite liked it. It was never really something that I had like a massive bond or connection with, but I always just certain little throwaway bits of it. I liked little nuances to the characters, like his. I tell you what, I always like that. Anyway, um, I think that's it, lads. Let's kill it with fire. Um, so, if you want to listen to any, well, it's a new year, new us. Um, it's not. Do, if this episode has proven anything, it's very much the new year same us. No, we got all our new toiletries, all our new socks and pants, mate. It's come on. I didn't get know. any pants. Did you not? No, I got socks and I did get toiletries. I got, I got beard oil. Really? <laughs> yeah, which uh, it came in a pack, which um, I've not been using. But the one time I did use it, it you got did... to open your cereal cafe first. Didn't you, mate? It, it did yeah, soften. Yeah. It did soften my beard. Um, really? No. Yeah, I'm rocking that ISIS chic at the minute. It's, it's working for me. Yeah, I'm not gonna laugh at that. No, no, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm coming to. Yeah. I'm, I, I mean, I mean, uh, I've got to go to London next week to go and watch the NBA. So I'm probably gonna shave before I go on the tube because you know, I know how trigger happy they are down there. Yeah. You might not make it back, sadly. Yeah. So uh, I'll, me and my dad as well, he looks like he's from Boko Haram, so we'll... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want him getting ideas. Um, yeah, so it is a new, <laughs> new year, new us. Uh, if you do want to listen to all of our ramblings from previous years, you can do so on the ACAST website or on iTunes. Uh, you can do so on rtrpod.com. Follow us on Twitter at RTR underscore pod. Um, but, yeah, leave us reviews as well on iTunes. We need more reviews. And sort your lives out. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.